0: day I got to thinking about a pivot point that occurs when an organization gets beyond a certain scale, be that the size of the staff, the budget, or the community served. It's a shift that I call feeding the beast, where doing cool things has to become a lower priority than is sustaining what's already been built. In today's episode, I'll share a story that discusses two professional organizations that were in two very different places on this spectrum. And the lessons you can use to best balance sustainability and innovation in your school or library, whether it's small and scrappy or established and stable. Welcome to the Kind Leadership Challenge, where I teach leaders to heal their schools or libraries in the next 10 minutes. I'm Dr. Sarah Clark, founder of the Kind Leadership Guild where I use my PhD in higher ed leadership and nearly two decades of experience in academic libraries to advise educational and library leaders who want to build a better world without burning out. Kind leaders make the tough decisions without becoming jerks. We create effective systems that help us get the job done with less money and effort. And we've learned that once we stop controlling and start collaborating, any vision becomes possible. To be clear, Good leadership's pretty simple, but it's rarely easy. So if you're up for a challenge, stick around to learn how to create a legacy that will strengthen your community long after you're gone. You know how they say there are Elvis people and Beatles people? Well, in my opinion, there are small organizational leaders and big organizational leaders. Me? I'm team small. Things move faster. You can be a little bit more entrepreneurial. And although the risks can be a bit higher, you also have the rewards of more independence and room to create. Bureaucracy, for the sake of bureaucracy, just gives me hives. I think that's part of why I ended up as an academic library leader. Yes, we're a cog in a bigger organization. But as long as the budget's balanced and students and faculty are getting the resources and support they need to succeed, we're pretty much left to do our own thing on a daily basis. Not too different from the first professional organization I joined not long after I finished my MLIS and got my first gig as a librarian. We'll call this organization the United Librarian League to protect the innocent. The United Librarians League was, on paper, a local branch of a national organization of librarians with a shared subspecialty, but we mostly did our own thing. There were a couple of subgroups that hosted workshops and a larger but still scrappy board that put on an annual day-long conference. Membership fees were minimal, really just enough to cover the web hosting and a lit few administrative costs, and students got in at reduced or free rates. With the exception of the occasional paid keynote speaker, if we had a little extra in the bank account that year, everyone involved in the organization volunteered their time and spaces for events, and workshops and conferences were priced to pay for themselves, but not much more than that. I loved this organization and still think fondly of the friendships I made as I rose from secretary of one of those subgroups all the way up to league president. But as my time as ULL president was about halfway through, I got a chance to be chair of a division of what we will call the Associated Library Organization, also a pseudonym to protect the also innocent, but different. To be clear, I also loved my time as division chair with the Associated Library Organization. It was very different. The group was much larger, supported librarians of all kinds from all around the region, and at the time had two full-time employees whose salaries it needed to pay. That was actually part of the attraction for me to join its board as an officer. As someone who had spent her whole career at a smallish academic library, I was curious how a larger-scale organization did things. When serving on the United Librarians League board, I had to make sure my ideas were achievable with minimal revenue designed to keep our organization accessible to all, but which meant we had to live within our means. From my view as an Associated Library Organization member, They seem to be able to do a lot more than the United Librarians League with their bigger budget. And I was curious about how they did what they did. Once my term started and I attended my first board meeting, I started to understand why these two organizations were so different. In the ALO, membership fees were higher but they still counted on the annual conference and other events put on by the divisions to balance the books every year. That meant that events cost triple what they did when put on by the ULL, even if there wasn't as much difference in what was on offer as I had thought. I learned this when my first proposed Associated Library Organization workshop, an innovative notion that the United Librarians League never could have afforded, was shot down by the finance committee because it wouldn't be profitable enough. So, I scaled back the vision, rethought the catering and a few other expenses, and we got it in at the numbers the board needed. But we had to sacrifice some of the impact. Worse, I knew that much of the higher registration fees that put the event out of reach for many entry-level librarians wouldn't actually go to things that directly supported librarians, but rather the infrastructure needed to keep the organization running. I understood the importance of some of those overhead expenses, but others seemed a bit pointless to me. Scale for the sake of scale, or as I called it in my less charitable moments, feeding the beast. Looking back as someone who now manages a budget far larger than even the associated library organization and who has to explain its nuances to administrators who may not know much about what libraries do, I have a little more empathy for the ALO. They were the longest established library organization in our area with a broad vision of both supporting professionals and advocating for the profession. Whereas the United Librarians League was newer, smaller, and had a much more targeted mission. In fact, in some ways, the United Librarians League could only exist in the form I knew it because the Associated Library Organization was out there doing its important work. Yeah, the workshops cost more than I liked, and the balance could have been struck a little better between overhead and service. But at the end of the day, both organizations balanced their budgets, put on great events, and left the local library community better than it would have been otherwise. When I began writing this episode, I thought it would be a tale of United Librarians League, good, Associated Library Organization, bad. But as I thought back on those days for the first time in almost a decade, I remembered that the reality was a bit more nuanced. In fact, most of us in my circle were members of both organizations, And some of us held leadership positions in both at one time or another. They required different skills and priorities, but that was about structural differences, not moral values. And in recent years, economic realities have caused the ALO to cut some of the bureaucracy and overhead I complained about, meaning that that beast they were feeding has shrunk somewhat. I'm not affiliated with either organization these days but I suspect they may be a little more similar than they were back in the early 2010s. So perhaps whether you're a small organizational leader or a big organizational leader isn't as set a thing as I thought when I began working on this episode. Perhaps it's more about looking at the challenges your organization faces right now and determining how much innovation and how much scale those unique challenges require. Which leads me to this week's challenge. How do you maximize your impact and minimize feeding the beast in your organization? Some overheads unavoidable, but there's a sweet spot to be found between sustainability and impact. The problem, of course, is that sweet spot isn't always in the same place. For me, it means always coming back to the vision that has been defined in collaboration with the whole team and the larger organization we serve. If you are honest with yourself about which of your services and resources are most central to attaining that vision, decisions become much more clear. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Kind Leadership Challenge. Before you go, I'd like you to take a moment to think of one friend or colleague who would most benefit from this week's challenge. Open your app or head over to kindleadershipchallenge.com 78 and share this episode with them. Add a friendly note as well. Never doubt that day by day you're building a better world, even if you can't see it yet. So until next time, stay kind now. Oh, one last thing. If you're ready to take on this week's challenge but not sure how to start, head over to kindleadershipchallenge.com slash next to download the Next Steps Checklist.